Hi friend, I'm Rick Pasquale. I know God has a word for you today. As you listen, let God speak to you. He loves you and he has a great plan for your life. Now join us live for our service. This is our theme for this year. This, everybody say this. This is where amazing happens. And I want you to think about the this, not just here at ICF Rome, but this week when you're doing your life, Pauline, if you're on the plane or you're packing boxes or you're, you say to yourself, this is where amazing is coming forth. Amen? And I also want you to think about the word amazing even as God. So this is where God happens. This is where his revelation comes to my life. This is where the miracle unfolds. Amen? And so this morning, I am very privileged and happy that we are going to tag team preach with an amazing young woman who is full of anointing, the leader of our young adult ministry, Miss Abby. And before... Yeah? Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a blessing to be up here this morning to share on what we've just watched. I'm going to put on my timer. This is going to be a brief charge. It's not the main message. Pastor Jen would come in to give the main message, but I will just charge the church on this story of Lazarus. But and I think that at this stage in this church, when God is raising a scripture or raising a passage for a whole month, then we ought to do due diligence and read that scripture for ourselves in our own private time to see what the Lord might be trying to say. Because for the past few weeks, we've been hearing the same word along the same track. So God must be saying something to ICF Rome from this story of Lazarus. Praise God. What came up to me when I studied this John chapter 11 that carries the story of Lazarus were three principles in the lives of Christians that can lead up to miracles, that can lead up to making us a wonder in our generation, that can lead up to us seeing the glory of God in our lives. Three principles, three things that God will always walk with. The first is prayer. The second is his presence. And the third is faith. We're going to look through all those three things in this story, in the story of Lazarus. In verse 3 of John chapter 11, the Bible says news came to Jesus from Mary saying, Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick. I want you to know that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were not unbelievers. They weren't people who did not know God. They weren't people who did not serve God. If you remember in the book of Luke chapter 10, Mary had served the Lord so much that it became too much. The Lord said to her, Mary is sitting by my feet and you matter as serving. Mary is doing what is needful. She's listening to my word. So from that scripture, we know that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they had served the Lord. They had worked for the Lord. They had given their resources, their time, their talent. How is it then that these faithful people that had a relationship with Jesus were the ones who were afflicted? How do I serve Jesus and still face affliction? 
How do I say that I know the Lord and my problems are so big? This was the situation with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The Bible says she sent word, Mary sent word to the, to the Lord. She said, he whom thou lovest, there was a relationship, there was love. Jesus knew them, they knew Jesus. But he whom thou lovest is sick. And I love how Jesus responded in verse 4. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but that God may be glorified and that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Now, I want to correct a misconception. God did not put sickness upon Lazarus to glorify himself. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, from verse 4 to 5, he says he bore our grief. He took our sorrows. In verse 5, he, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, The thief, meaning the devil, comes forth to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I, Jesus, I am come that they may have life and have it to the full. Praise God. Nowhere in there, Jesus never said, I am sickness and I am death. He said, no, I come to give life and I come to give it abundantly. That is who Jesus is. So you ought to believe and we ought to know that what happened in the story of Lazarus in that verse 4, when Jesus responded and said, this is for the glory of God, it reminds me of Romans 8, 28. The Bible says, all things, for we know, we're not unsure, we know that all things work together for good. Not good things, not bad things, but all things work together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Praise God. That means when the devil afflicts you, when he's afflicting you with death, depression, to make you feel forsaken, to make you feel like you don't belong, he's only doing it to make a public shame of himself. Because the moment Jesus hears from you that this is what I'm going through, you would see with the presence that he would come, and when he comes, the devil will regret it. Praise God. Now, the first point there was that Mary sent to the Lord. She called upon the Lord. For me, that was prayer. That her first point of call was not the physician, it was the Lord. That shows me the relationship. That shows me the confidence. The hallmark to me of a true Christian is that they believe first in the Lord. They trust first in God. They are constantly looking to God as a matter of first resort. Not last, not second to the last. We put our trust in him first. That was what Mary did. She sent to the Lord. But the Bible says in verse 5 that the Lord remains, verse 5 or 6, that he remains still where he was for two days. He had just said, this sickness is not unto death. But he will come back to say, Lazarus is dead. What a contradiction, you say. Need I remind you, when you communicate with the Lord, he hears. But also, the word of the Lord does not return to him void of doing what he sends it. It never returns to him void. I would move to my second point because I feel like I'm skipping to the last, which is faith. But the second point is his presence. So they called and Jesus came, verse 17 of John chapter 11. 
Jesus came on the scene. I want you to know that in verse 19, the Bible says there were Jews around them to comfort them. Sorry, like off my, my track. To com- I'm, I'm used to like preaching in the sideways and all that, but okay. So to comfort them, to bring them peace. How many of you know that when you have problems, all people can do is tell you sorry? All people can do is say, let's have five minutes, con- you know, silence. Let's have two minutes condolence. Let's send them gifts and all and all. But Jesus was not like that. The presence of Jesus when he comes is to change things. Jesus does not come to just look around and tell you that it would be well. No. He comes to move in your life. He comes to bring forth his glory. He comes to show to the world that you are his own. And that he, those that look to him are never put to shame. Praise God. So he comes on that scene in verse 17 and the Jews are there, they're mourning, they're telling Mary, I'm sorry. You know, Martha, you know, we're so sorry. We've lost this and we've lost that. But now Jesus was on board and he said to them, Martha said to him, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have been sick. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. If you came when I called you, the situation would be this bad right now. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And if any man believe on me, even if he were dead, he will live. This is speaking to us today. There may be dead businesses, dead relationships, dead ideas, dead contracts, dead mental capacity. Sometimes you're trying to think through things, but it's not coming the way it used to come. There may be death in different realms of your life, but you are not on your own. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he asks Mary a question. He asks Martha, sorry, a question. He said, do you believe? Faith is my third point. Even if Jesus is on the scene, if Jesus were to walk into this room and stand here, if you don't have faith, he won't do anything. You don't believe? Check out Nazareth. When Jesus went to Nazareth, the the word of God says he was so marveled at their unbelief, he was unable to do any miracle in their midst. So Jesus can come, but if your faith is not in him, It doesn't do you any good, and it doesn't do him any good, and there's no glory. Praise God. He said to Martha in verse 25, because now he had said, roll away the stone from the tomb. And Martha said, Lord, but now he has been stinking for four days. And Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Faith is not about positive thinking. Faith is not me telling myself I am great, I am strong, I am this. No, faith is in spite of the facts. I choose to look at what God's word says about my problem. And I insist in prayer that the word of God is settled forever in heaven and on earth. And that everything must gravitate around the word of God in my life. I insist on the power of the word that created the heavens and the earth. And I believe that it will come to pass. What does that mean? It means that if I am seeking for a child, I tell the Lord in prayer and I believe in my heart that children are the heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. It means that if my children are dull in school, I can say over them, my children shall be taught of the Lord. These are scriptures. In this passage, you realize that Jesus did not just say, believe. 
he told them what to believe. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? He did not just say, believe in God, believe in everything. No. There are scriptures concerning everything you are facing. And the moment you pick on those scriptures and insist by faith, you would see God coming forth in a way you've never seen. The Bible says the Lord sent forth his word and great was the company that published it. When you speak the word, the angels move. When you speak the word, the heavens move. So your faith must be in the word. My concluding point, because I know I'm now off my time. I had 10 minutes. My concluding point is that now we see the glory. Not only was Lazarus raised from the dead, not only did he come to life, we've seen in John 12, 24, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. When Lazarus died, the Bible says in verse 45 of John chapter 11, that many of the Jews came to believe on the Lord. Do you see the amount of salvation, the amount of blessings? If you even try to tip over into chapter 12, you would see the Greeks coming from their own land to come and see what had been done in the life of Lazarus. How else could it have happened? This family, unfortunate family of three that lost their brother, had now become a family of wonders, a family of signs, a family of impact, a family that stood as God's sign of his faithfulness in the land. In the whole of Bethany, many people had lost their brothers. Many people have lost their relatives. But only one family was able to see the resurrection of their family because of their relationship with the Lord. So my question today in conclusion is, when we talk about this is the year of the amazing, you need to pray. You need God's presence. Amazing things don't just drop from heaven. We call on him and he answers us. You need to pray. You need his presence. And finally, when his presence comes to you, be in faith. Be in expectation. Say, Lord, this is your word. I will trust it with all my heart. In spite of what I see, in spite of how I feel, you, Lord, are my strength. And even when my heart may fail, God is the strength of my heart. Praise God. Thank you so much for this time. Let's be blessed by Pastor Jen. Amen. Beautiful, Abby. What a breeding ground for miracles. Amen. That's what should happen in a place where your life is nurtured. And that doesn't happen, like Abby said, just by doing nothing. That you are a part of the miracle. You are a part of what was happening, even in the, those video clips of scenes from Scripture. This is a place of purpose. And so this morning, I want you to think about the empty tomb. Next month is Easter. And we are going to celebrate the resurrection. But there, that tomb represents something dying. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. As Pastor Rick spoke about last week as well, we think of Jesus raising Lazarus. And we imagine the scene that we have had so beautifully set before us this morning. And we hear the words of Jesus saying to you, come forth. Life is amazing. I want you to believe. Don't doubt me. 
I'm with you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to fulfill my promises to you. This is something very important that we understand. The death of dreams and hopes, I want you to think about this, often feels like defeat in our lives. And it brings us to desperate places. It makes our emotions go crazy when it feels like something we had hoped for didn't work out. But desperation leads to determination, and determination leads to deliverance. I want you to look for just a moment at Mark chapter 2. You saw the scene in that clip where it says that the men, the people, saw that Jesus was doing something, and they came. So let's read Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Hold on a minute. Look around. I see a couple extra chairs. What this says to me is our faith needs to come alive even more, that they are standing outside the door to get a glimpse of the miracle-working power that happens because together we get into the presence of Jesus. Amen? Let's look at verse 3. Some men, say some men. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, and he was carried by four of them. You saw it in the clip where they lowered the man down in the roof, right? Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, oh, how much I would love it. And I love it at the end of services when this is our altar area. And I witness it week after week. Someone wants to get closer to the presence of Jesus. We call this a safe place. And someone, Pastor Rick calls us forward and we begin... um, Pauline said it was at this altar where she heard us saying, thank you, Jesus, that those words rang out to her in the waiting room while Nathan was in surgery. Unknowing of the outcome, she was saying, thank you, Jesus. And can you imagine they were pushing in to get into the presence of the Lord? What if you push in? What if you press in a little bit more? Not just stand there and wait for God to come to you, but they wanted to get to the presence of Jesus. Very important in the longing of our heart. So what did they do? They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. That is an extreme activity to get to Jesus. How would you like it if someone started breaking down the roof right now to jump into this part? That would be an illustrated sermon, wouldn't it? But I want to ask you this morning, What is the most extreme moment that you can remember in your life when you did everything you could to get into the presence of Jesus? You prayed, you had faith, but you went to extreme measures to be in his presence. This is not us sitting on a bed or on a chair and saying, come to me, Jesus, when you're ready. This is Jesus saying, come forth. You come out. Lazarus said, I knew you would come. That's what we sang. I knew you would come. I knew you would make my heart beat again. And the Bible says in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, that's what Abby said, the faith we have to have. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man's son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want you to look at verse 12. Skip down and go to verse 12 for me. 
There was some stuff that happened. Jesus saw his faith, and then he got up. He healed the man. He got up, took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. They amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. That's what Pauline did this morning when she testified to the miracle-working power of the presence of Jesus, not only in Nathan's life. We were all a part of that miracle. Those who prayed, those who visited, those who stood in the gap. You see, in this story, when they lowered Jesus down, when they lowered the man down to Jesus, it wasn't the man by himself. It says they brought him. And the four of them lowered him. And Jesus was, saw their faith. It doesn't say Jesus saw his faith. It says Jesus saw their faith. And so I want you to understand, Jesus recognizes your expectation for a miracle. He does hear when you say, you begin to quote his scripture to him. And you say, Lord, I am standing in alignment with the word of God. I am asking you to fulfill your promises in my life. Jesus saw their faith. There was a unified effort as they surrounded this man and brought him to Jesus. Can I tell you that our city needs Jesus? Our countries need Jesus. Our families need Jesus. But we have to surround those who need to come into his presence. Invite them. Encourage them. I love when somebody comes and tells me, this is my roommate. This is my friend from school. This is my colleague from work. Because you are bringing them in to the presence of Jesus. There's nothing like it on the, on the planet. The presence of Jesus but sometimes we have to break through the barriers like they did when they broke through the barrier. There are times, Pauline can test to it, I'm sure, that there were moments when she was unsure what the outcome would be. But she broke through in thanksgiving. She broke through in praise. She broke through in faith. And she declared the word of the Lord over her child. So I want you to look at these things. Real belief results in our action. You can't just say, I believe. You could talk to a lot of people in this city and they would say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Or yeah, I believe in Jesus. You have to have a relationship with him. Real belief results in the actions. Our doing is an overflow of our expectations. So when I believe in Jesus, not just believe that he was, but I believe that he is and he will be and he always will be with me. And I believe that he has a word for you. That changes the way I do my life. We have a determination to get where Jesus is. That's our faith. That was the faith. Jesus saw their faith because they got them there. We have a cooperation with faith, and that's their prayer. When we pray, we pray according to Scripture, but we pray in cooperation with the Word of God. Can you imagine? You thought you were praying by yourself this whole time. You're not. If you're born again, if you've invited Jesus into your heart and you have relationship with him and you are praying in the name of Jesus, then you can imagine right now Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father. And I love the picture that Abby painted of Jesus saying, this sickness is not going to be nigh to death, but I didn't, he didn't come right away. Anybody ever have a prayer that did not get answered immediately? Raise your hand. You had a prayer that did not get answered immediately. Look around. Look around so you can see we're all in the same boat. Sometimes he does immediately. Sometimes he does suddenly. And I love that. 
sometimes, probably a lot of times, it's a process. So we have to cooperate with faith even when it doesn't feel good. Even when it's difficult. He is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. That is the presence of God. He is a rewarder. He is a good God. Look at your neighbor and say, he's a good God. I want you to know that. He's a good God. We live in a fallen world and bad stuff happens and it's not fun sometimes, but he is a good God and he has good things ahead for us. And these people had an attitude of expectation that life could be amazing. I'm asking you this morning, will you shift your attitude? Will you shift your expectation? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to change your countenance? Because when you are surrounded with the presence of the Lord, you don't act sad and forlorn and despairing of anything. It doesn't mean there aren't moments, listen to me, when we may have sadness. There aren't moments when we have sickness. There are moments when we have struggle. And that's why they brought the paralyzed man to Jesus. Can you imagine in this symbolic way of thinking, this man was paralyzed, let's say, by faith, by fear. Maybe he was paralyzed because of poverty. Maybe he was paralyzed because he did not have a godly family surrounding him. So others came alongside of him and said, don't worry, we got this with you. We're going to lift you to the presence of Jesus. That's why us doing life together is so important. I want you to understand God has a promise for you. Matthew 7, 7, one of my favorite verses says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be open. That is the promise of God. I'm happy to tell you Pauline is going home with a job. She has a new job when she gets back. God has prepared the way for her and Nathan. And God will prepare the way for you. It may be a process, but this is where life happens. I believe that God is saying to us this month about the dying, about the burying of the seed, that sometimes, sometimes God purges things from our lives. He asks us to bury the old in order to preserve his purpose. He asks us to bury the old in order to preserve his purpose and to bring forth something new. He wants to do something new. It doesn't matter how old you are. Somebody was telling me this week that um, someone they knew was, you know, in their very, very, very late 40s, early 50s, and uh, maybe they were, you know, not going to be able to advance in a situation. And I said, oh, think about it. They probably got another 50 years to live. They've only lived half their life. It's a new season. So no matter how old you are, Everybody should say amen. Make me feel better. I am a grandma with eight kids, okay? But I want you to know it doesn't matter how old you are in biological age. It doesn't matter how old you are in spiritual age. As our dancers get ready, I want you, you're going to see and witness this song. They are going to tell a message again. Because I want you to get it in your mind. I want you to get it in your heart that this, my life, say my life. This is where amazing happens. 
Our hardships and our hopes will spring forth. Our despair and our dreams will come alive again. Our fears is resurrected by our faith. And our pain and our progress will be amazing because this is where amazing happens. Thank you for listening. I pray that you heard from God today. Today I want to say a prayer with you. You need to make sure Christ lives in your life. So would you please say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. And I pray right now that you will come into my heart and into my life. And from this day forward, for the rest of my life, I will live for you. The things I was doing that were sin, I'm going to stop doing. Because you've just changed my life. And I thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that if you've said that prayer today, that you're going to have a life change. Things are going to be incredibly different for your life, and we'd love to help you. So if you would go to our website, icfrome.org, and make contact with us, I'd love to give you some information and get you connected to a church. Remember, God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. Bless you.